time for seafood news. Welcome to the Seafood News Podcast. I'm Seafood News Magic Editor Amanda Buckle. And I'm Erna Berry Market Reporter Lauren Castiglione. This episode of the Seafood News Podcast is brought to you by the Spring 2022 issue of Erna Berry's Reporter Magazine. This issue is a must-read for the seafood industry as it features the special State of the Seafood Industry annual review. Plus, find stories on the lobster market, seeing a shift in consumer behavior, shifting food service trends, and more. Our top story is, of course, the Newfoundland Labrador snow crab quota. Canada's Department of Fisheries and Oceans announced on Thursday that the total allowable catch for 2022 is set at 50,470 tons, which is an increase of 32% from 2021. Looking at each area, 3LNO received the most at 30,940 tons, and to compare to last year, that same area received 23,648 tons. Meanwhile, this year, 2HJ received 951 tons, 3K, 9,840 tons, 3Ps, 7,768 tons, 4R3PN received 522 tons, and then the CPS trap survey also received 450 tons. So that's a lot of numbers in there to take care of. (laughs) Uh, A lot of numbers and letters. (laughs) I feel like you're just reading like... (laughs) <laughs> like IP addresses or something. Okay. Yeah, they're like all characters from like Star Wars. Or right, right. So the increased quota is welcome news for the snow crab market. After the snow crab stock crashed in Alaska, the state's Department of Fish and Game set the 2021-2022 Bering Sea snow crab quota at 5.6 million pounds, an 88% decrease from the year prior. Of course, we have to talk about Russia, too, since product is banned beginning June 23rd. In 2021, the U.S. market imported 41 million pounds of snow crab from Russia, which accounts for 30% of total crab imports of the year. You know, we've talked about the Bering Sea snow crab quota being cut a lot, but still, anytime I hear that 88% decrease, it's, it's like still right. shocking. <laughs> Completely. So fortunately, Canada already received good news earlier this month when the southern Gulf of St. Lawrence snow crab quota was announced. The total allowable catch for the snow crab fishery in the southern Gulf of St. Lawrence for 2022 is 32,519 tons, up from 24,262 tons in 2021. All right. I think that's all the numbers we're hitting with people today. So (laughs) it's up. It's good. (laughs) But um, as of Friday morning, we're still waiting on an announcement regarding the price of snow crab in Newfoundland and Labrador. But one decision has already been made, and that's that Earl McCarty is remaining on the standing fish price setting panel. So McCarty was appointed to the Newfoundland Labrador uh, fish price setting panel in February, and that immediately sparked some tension between FFAW Unifor and the Association of Seafood Producers, also known as ASP. Um, so ASP took issue with the fact that McCarty had a long relationship with FFAW and said that the appointment was a clear conflict of interest. For those unfamiliar with McCurdy, he first joined NFFAW, now known as FFAW Unifor, as editor of the union publication Union Forum in the late 1970s. He went on to serve as secretary treasurer of the union from 1980 to 1993, and then president of FFAW from 1993 until 2014. He's also the author of the book on how FFAW Unifor confronted power and shared the wealth, which was published in October of 2021. 
So on the eve of the Snow Crab price decision last week, ASP presented a motion to remove McCurdy from the panel, and a hearing to address the matter was uh, scheduled for March 29th. ASP, FFAW Unifor, and McCurdy all presented at the hearing, and after careful consideration, the motion to remove McCurdy from the uh, Standing Fish price-setting panel was rejected. So the panel ultimately decided that McCurdy's retirement from FFAW in 2014 is longer than a cooling-off period often applicable to judges, and that his history in the fishery was uh you know, clear prior to his appointment. So he wasn't withholding anything. Um, and in fact, his history gives him in-depth knowledge, which in the past is something that they've, you know, sought for in a, a panel member. It was a big week for ASP and FFAW, but there is one thing that both groups can agree on. More science is needed after the closure of the Atlantic mackerel fishery. So Canada's Department of Fisheries and Oceans announced uh, that urgent action must be taken to protect the southern Gulf spring herring and Atlantic mackerel fisheries. And Minister of Fisheries Joyce Murray said that in order to give the stocks a chance to recover and ensure the long-term sustainability and prosperity, there would be no directed uh, commercial or bait fishing for southern Gulf spring herring and a closure of the Atlantic mackerel commercial and bait fisheries in Atlantic Canada and Quebec. Murray said that we know more than 90% of fish stocks on the East Coast are in good shape and that she is committed to working with the industry to grow the very important fish and seafood industry. She added that the Southern Gulf spring herring and Atlantic mackerel are stocks that have been in the critical zone for lengthy periods and need to be allowed to regenerate for the continued sustainability and success of the entire fishery. She continued that she recognizes many harvesters depend on these fisheries and that she will continue to work with them and fishing groups from across Atlantic Canada and Quebec to ensure the best outcomes for these stocks and the people who depend on them. FFAW released a statement shortly after the announcement was made and called for an immediate reversal of the decision. Derek Butler, who is the executive director of ASP, also took issue with the recreational fishery being left open, saying that in a recreational fishery, there is no precise monitoring of what is coming out of the water. He added that it would make more sense to allow the commercial fishery to operate to sustain the livelihoods of those in the industry, to support rural communities, and then have a better handle on what is removed based on the total allowable catch. The DFO says that management measures were put in place over the past several years in an effort to rebuild the stocks. And for the Atlantic mackerel fishery, the DFO implemented catch reductions over time and increased the minimum allowable size and reporting improvements. On the recreational side, they also set a daily possession limit of 20 mackerel per person in 2021, as well as established a minimum possession size of 26.8 centimeters and implemented a closure from January 1st through March 31st. But they said those measures were not enough to open the fishery this year. In other news out of Canada, the Public Health Agency of Canada has launched an investigation into an outbreak of neurovirus and gastrointestinal illnesses involving four provinces linked to raw oysters. A group of four separate recalls were posted on the Canadian Food Inspection Agency um, on February 18th, March 20th, March 23rd, and March 27th for oysters from British Columbia. The Public Health Agency said the CFIA is continuing its food safety investigation, which may lead to the recall of other products. If other products are recalled, the CFIA will notify the public through updated food recall warnings. As of March 30th, there have been 279 cases of norovirus and gastrointestinal illness, 262 of which occurred in BC. Individuals became sick in mid-January and late March 2022, and no deaths have been reported. Although not all cases of illness have been tested, testing of several cases has confirmed the presence of a norovirus infection.
As somebody who loves raw oysters, this is such a fear of mine. <laughs> but luckily, all good. All good so far. Um, in some lighter no news, big things are coming from Aquaculture Foods, the company that recently released the squid-free calamari fries. The food tech startup announced that they've made advancements in their novel fermentation technology that is allowing them to double their biomass output in the same time frame. As a result, the company said they've effectively doubled production of their whole mussel cut tuna and whitefish, uh, popcorn shrimp, calamari, and scallop alternatives. For those unfamiliar with the food tech company, Aquacultured Foods is unique in that they use biomass fermentation and a proprietary strain of fungi to produce seafood analogs. For those unfamiliar with microbial fermentation, it grows the protein instead of processing it, which allows it to retain its naturally occurring fiber and micronutrients. No animal inputs, genetic altering, or modification is used, and it's not formulated with starches or protein isolates. So far, Aquacultured Foods has filed three patents and is currently filing two more on their novel approach to the production of their proteins. The company says that they will be scaling production this year to introduce their seafood alternatives with select partners to test consumer acceptance. We are on the top of that list, I'm sure. Yes, I would I would hope so. <laughs> and finally, if you're craving some sushi in Australia then look no further than convenience store 7-Eleven. 7-Eleven launched a pop-up shop called The Convenience Store during the Melbourne Food and Wine Festival and served some of Melbourne's most cherished eatery favorites, like a ramen noodle cup featuring bush noodles, braised kangaroo, lemon verbena, sardine broth, salt brush tar, and a quail egg. <laughs> I don't know much of those words, but it does sound tasty. Would you, would you eat kangaroo? Uh, I don't think so. I think they're just too cute. I know I've seen like the vicious videos of them like fighting each other in the streets of Australia. <laughs> I've actually seen like a leg of kangaroo before and it is humongous. Like, you know, like not like, a, like, like a turkey leg, you know, like, you know, yes, like, yes. Disney sells like those giant turkey legs. Yes. So this is like, where was this? Like bigger than a beach ball. Like <laughs> where was this was... kangaroo leg? <laughs> Um, it was at um, where I used to, I used to work at a, a catering hall and and someone the, the chef happened upon it and he, he brought it in and we were like, well, I at the time was like, I'm not trying that. Is this a black market <laughs> catering hall you were working at? <laughs> I won't name the names. But, <laughs> um, yeah, it was it, humongous, which it turned me off. But anyway, back to what we were talking about. <laughs> And of course, they had sushi available, including a spicy tuna sushi pack, salmon and avocado hand rolls, and sweet chili salmon. All the 7-Eleven sushi is made in Melbourne and delivered to Victoria stores daily. So the sushi selection is not only available at the Melbourne Food and Wine Festival pop-up shop, but 7-Eleven stores across Victoria. You know, I know a couple of years ago when 7-Eleven uh, partnered up with the Association of Genuine Alaska Pollock Producers to, to put out that... Um, the Pollock sandwich, we were... Yeah, you guys tried it. Yeah, and it was it was delicious. So I don't know if that means, like, I would, you know, go to 7-Eleven still for a for sushi, I feel like. I, mean, I like to see the details that it's delivered daily. That's good. I feel like, though, I mean, after reading about... I mean, obviously, I you know this is a, a pop-up shop, um, but their 7-Elevens sound a lot different from our 7-Elevens. <laughs> yeah, our 7-Elevens aren't featured in any food and wine festivals, I don't believe. <laughs> you love a good slushy. Um, yes. Definitely. But I, you know, I, I really just think of 
7 Eleven as a convenience store and as a go to for slushies. I don't really think about it, you know, for well, any. That might, that might be changing. Yeah. So, uh, 7 Eleven in Australia, um, they use their pop up store to give foodies an exclusive first taste of the new hot deli sandwiches that are coming to the convenience store, like a tuna melt. So the hot sandwiches are expected to hit select 7-Eleven stores in Australia in late 2022. Up your nice. game, U.S. 7-Eleven. Yeah, right? Come on. <laughs> so that does it for us this week. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you back here next time.